Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast, giving you insights into golf instruction at the highest level from on the PGA Tour to our learning center at Frederica Golf Club. So, guys, thanks for sitting in. I know it's been crazy trying to coordinate this edition here of the Tour Coach, but I couldn't think of two better people to have on than Dr. Greg Hart and Mac Barnhart. I wanted to title this one, Going Down the Rabbit Hole, because I read an article. It was Pete Cowan, and it was talking about Henrik Stenson. I thought it was fascinating about how, and Pete took a bunch of the blame, which I thought was cool from a teacher's perspective, about how pacing and trying to be perfect, Henrik had gotten away from a lot of the simple and the fundamental things that he had done to be one of the best players in the world. Obviously, one major players champion. I mean, unbelievable career. And they've been together 20 years. And I thought it'd be interesting to get your perspective because Rory had an interesting comment as well last week at the players about watching what Bryson's done and his driving distance made him change who he was and made him a worse player chasing and trying to do this. And I thought it'd be great to talk to you guys from the mental and the performance perspective. This isn't uncommon. I mean, these are two big examples of guys that are great players, but I see it all the time. And I especially see it in young aspiring players that try to change who they are to become better. Yes. Go ahead, Matt. Tell me what you think about that first. Oh, it's, it's the most, I think it's one of the highest, or, or not the highest, it's one of the biggest reasons that I see players go through slumps or mm-hmm. lose their careers is they have performed a level to get to the tour and then they get to the tour and it's all of a sudden they don't realize that they were they were improving since they were juniors probably at one percent every four months they were getting a little better over time and they get to the tour and now they're at the highest level of play and now they think they can get four percent better a month or five percent better and they and it's and it, it, it's it's not – I hate to use the word comical, but you just watch it happen. You have guys like, I need to get longer, and I need to get this. And, and they're not going to – if they're hitting it at 290 and they want to start flying at 295, that five yards is a lot further than a guy hits at 250 trying to hit at 255. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's it's like I say, it's one of the biggest reasons that I've seen is trying to not be who you are that takes you down. And I've said a million times, you've heard me say this, I think the same thing goes for teachers and coaches. I think people make mistakes and they try to be not who they are as a coach and they try to change based on a guy who's had a bunch of success or what the latest fad is and then they get away from whatever their skill set is or what they're best at. Next thing you know, they've messed up several of their players. I, I don't think it's just players, but I think I think it's our industry as a whole. Yeah, it's very seductive to, to chase that next level. I, I couldn't agree more with both of you guys and it's really eye-opening when a guy like Rory, who already hits it plenty far, play far enough, gets sucked into that as well. I believe a lot of these guys, I may be wrong, don't need to get better. They just need to be the best themselves as many times as they can. And once you get to that level, that's sort of the objective is, can I access all my skill more often than not? Because usually that's going to be more than good enough. Rory made an interesting point, and this is this is why this speak this works for a guy like Bryson is that his irons are all the same length, so he gets a lot more speed from the rough, which is a big advantage over some of these guys who hit it in the rough. If you start chasing distance and don't hit it straight, couldn't be a better example of this is something that may work for this guy, but isn't going to work for everybody. And but it's really easy to get sucked into that and feel like you need to do that when you see a guy who has success doing something different. 
And, Mac, I'm going to ask you this question, and I'm not denying how great a player Bryson is, but we're dealing with also a small sample size of events since he's done this. And since then, he's also lost some weight again. He's back losing weight a little bit. Like, I mean, I don't know that we know long-term, I mean, to change what you're doing. Like, in Rory, if you're one of the best players in the world, like, I mean, it's not like Bryson went and won eight majors in a row, right? I mean, he no. didn't have any success at Augusta. Like, so it, it does, you know, I mean, I think that, a lot of this is just very much an overreaction well, firsthand. Well, the news media helps that. I mean, it's, it's, it's the Bryson show. Bryson wins, like most people win, when they they putt and chip so well. Right. Which is I, what he did as well. That's what people do to win. No one's ever – I don't. I mean, maybe Tiger, but no one's ever ball-struck people into submission. Uh, but people have chipped and putted people into submission. Jordan Spieth. I mean, but I, I don't – it's impossible in our business to watch because these are individual athletes. And what happens is where a baseball player has a coach and he has a batting instructor and he has all these people, the golfers, they have they have a little bit of everything, but they don't have anybody that says this is what you're going to do, so it's up to them. So they've got to make these decisions. And, you know, when you're being paid by a player to teach him, coach him, whatever – you're being paid by him. Sometimes there's the the threat of saying what they want to hear to him. Like, uh-huh. yeah, if you could be longer, you could be better. Or, you know, low score is what wins. And I always go back to people like Jim Furyk. You know, Jim Furyk, if you'd have taken him and gave him to a teacher and he didn't know who he was, he would have tried to fix something in his golf swing because it doesn't look traditional. And they would have said, and, and if you don't hit it any further, you're not going to be any good. And I mean, he didn't change. He didn't do anything. He just did what he did, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fred Couples. I mean, people that didn't change their golf swings, how many of them are the, were those guys still around? And then yeah. you go and try to chase perfection in your golf swing. I mean, that's what I go back to. I mean, I don't know how many race car drivers. You know, I look at these guys. They learn how to drive a race car at high speed. And, you know, there's always little nuances in racing. But I haven't seen yet somebody come and teach them how to shift gears and put the brake on again. And this is what I see sometimes in teaching. I mean, here's a guy, a major championship, and on Wednesday, he's getting a lesson on how to, like, apply the brake and the clutch and to shift it in the third. I mean, I think it's time to just talk about strategy, time to talk about, you know, our feels and stuff like that. But the mechanical part of this, it would all go to me, the closer to a tournament, it would be going to Greg, right? Like yeah. to the mental side to preparation, but these guys always feel like physically is where they're going to make the biggest gains, and uh, and that's the rabbit hole. Yes, yeah, that's exactly right. Do you, do you feel like Max and Tony? Like a lot of guys don't think long term; they think, "What can I do for myself right now?" And these are these quick fixes that maybe I can put something into play right now versus developing a plan for long term development. And they they get away from that, and it causes so much destruction to a golf swing to make these changes constantly, all the time. It's really hard to watch. I see it, and I mean, I think Mac, I'd like your opinion on this, but like especially the young players when they come out and they when they get to the PGA Tour or they get on the Corn Ferry, there's so much pressure right then to play good enough that mm-hmm. if they're not playing well, they're so open to anybody throwing a suggestion out there that they think might help them have one good week and change their life. 
And I mean, I'm sure as long as you've been around Mac, like there's, there probably is somebody one time got a tip and they won, but that doesn't happen very often. And, and the guys, in my opinion, that have the best plan and have the best idea and understanding of what they do and they need to do to be great are the ones that over the long term have the most success. Yeah, I was in this business before when they were sort of at the start of sports psychology when Dr. Otella kind of showed up and before trainers. So I, I saw when golfers only had one thing to do and it was an instructor. And I don't remember, you know, the until Butch came along and really got famous for being Tiger's instructor. I mean, he was already Greg Norman's instructor. You didn't, there wasn't, you didn't see teachers. I mean, David Ledbetter was famous or, you know, somewhat famous on TV. Instructors were just all over the place. There's Randy Smith down in Texas. You know, there's some, yep. you know, there's Dick, was Dick Carmen. I mean, there were incredible instructors, but you just didn't know about them because it wasn't their job to be known. Their job was just to teach golfers, and they went and played their game. This has all become kind of a culture that, you know, it's almost like they've created a team. In other words, they've got this team, but is anybody really directing where they're heading versus, you know, most of the time, like I say, you know, you'll hear it to death with me. If I see somebody that goes into a slump, they're not playing well, I don't look physically. <laughs> I look mentally. What's going right. on in their life? Do they have a, are they getting divorced? Do they have a baby? Do they have a second baby? Did they start a foundation? What, what's drawing their attention away from playing golf? I mean, I look at Rory. You know, I look at Rory. He's got a family now. I mean, that's a distraction. It's a great distraction, but it's a distraction. Rory, I hear, I don't know this, has changed golf balls, changed shafts in his clubs. Rory now is on the PGA Tour policy board. These are all distractions. So I would look at when a guy's play starts going down a little bit, I don't ever look at the golf swing. Yeah. Not first. I go to Greg and go, Greg, what's, where's the distractions coming to keep this guy from doing his job? That's right. And the issue at, at the highest level, and this applies to everybody, is that the identity of being a golfer People assume that they're immune from the other stuff that normal human beings experience, and they don't address some of that stuff, and it can cause problems. And then they, they look at the golf swing as the, as the answer, and then you have the troubles. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think that, uh, you know, I think like y'all's pit, but like, I think that the distractions cause you to not play well, and then, or something happens to cause you not play well, but generally it's a distraction, or sometimes it's just damn golf that it's hard and you're not going to play well all the time. And then the reaction is somebody telling you you need to change something in your golf swing, and then you change something in your golf swing, and it never really needed to be changed to begin with. And then, to me, the hard part, and we've done some of this with some of our players, but like trying to get them back to doing what they do after a period of time is more challenging than it's not like you just can – it's not like you just get back on the bike all the time. No. Well, most people, I mean, golf, you've got to, I always look at this. I mean, a great career. I mean, if you won six times on tour, I mean, that's an incredible career. They put you in the Hall of Fame for that. I mean, it's that yeah. difficult to win. People don't realize. It's just, you're talking about beating the best there are, and five or six of those best there are are on fire that week. So I, I go back to Brian Harmon. You know, Brian Harmon this past week at the Players' Championship, you can't tell me he lost that golf tournament. I mean, that shot he hit on 17, he's the only guy in the league groups that went at that pin. I mean, everybody else played safe. And I look at it and go, that guy won a golf tournament that last week. 
in his mind, he won a golf term because he had a shot of the gun that a lot of the guys that were under the gun did not hit. And maybe they didn't have to hit it. I'm not going to judge. But I'm just saying, Brian Harmon did not lose that golf tournament. He won it. And he won it in the best position to win. I wouldn't want to play against that guy the next six weeks for no – because he's already good. But you give him that kind of confidence, he's scary good. But the point being is that what are you chasing in golf? Are you chasing results? Like, I didn't win last week, I want to change. Or I didn't finish top ten last week, I want to change. Like Greg said, what is your plan? Where are we headed? Like, what is, what is you know, I, I see people that chase their two cards by playing seven or eight weeks in a row. That i gotta, I got to make money. Well, the best thing to do is take two weeks off and come back and play, but they don't do that. And there's right. no one right. that says. It would be like taking a pitcher that says, man, you need your 200 strikeouts this year, so we're going to pitch you six days in a row. Would you do that to a pitcher? Never. Right. That's right. That's a good point. I think that there's so many golfers out there that can learn from you know, but it's hard to convince, you know, and you talk to players before, you know, I've been fortunate enough to teach a bunch of guys that have gone through college and then to the tour and through Corn Ferry and all that, and you see them get their card and you tell all of them kind of coming up, like, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> but none of them listen. I mean, they all are like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> Hell no. I mean, I get it. I've got this You're plan. Right. You're right. And then they miss the second cut. Or a guy chips in to knock him out of Q school, and shit. Then they get, then they fire you, right? I mean, yeah. and it's oh, like, yeah. oh, I got to go do something different. And it, and to me, that's you know, it's hard to prepare them. I mean, or, and, or maybe I got to do a better job of preparing them. Maybe that's the answer. But it's hard to avoid that temptation. See, it's the dialogue, Tony. That just it just happens. The dialogue starts yeah. early on in this in these players' careers, and the dialogue is is that. It's so much easier to blame an instructor for bad play. Right. And, and I, I just go back to say you don't understand the game of golf. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't understand the game of golf if you think there's not going to be times you can't play. Right. Okay. It just it, – everybody goes through it. And everybody goes, well, what about Tiger? Don't use Tiger. He's phenomenal. I mean, that, that's, that's right. not fair. You can't say a lottery winner. I mean, let's go to just average great golfers, average great golfers. Like, when I say average grade, I don't mean average by any means. But just take all the great golfers. I mean, they had slumps. Steve Stricker, I think he was gone for two years. Yeah. yeah. It can happen. It's a hard, it's a tough game. And at this level, it's one little thing that happens. But the thing I go back to is if you're focused on results, if that's all you're focused on, then it probably won't work out. Whether it's hitting it longer, cutting it better, whatever. If it's how much you weigh or if it's what you look like, all those result things don't work. The things that work are process. They go through the same process. It never changes, never changes. And those are the guys, Red Couples, Goswing never changed. He, he took his back is so bad, I can't tell you how many times he would like not play for four or five, six weeks. That was his process. I'll wait till my back's better. I'll come back and play. Never changed this deal. He, he had a great career. Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk did his deal. I mean, Chad Campbell, I'll go, Jack Johnson. Look at the guys that never changed what they did or how they did it. Especially as guys, you know, you're, you're talking about the very best. How few of those where they make a big change in coach and teacher, how many of those work out? I mean, Tiger, we could call him a phenom. He's one of the only ones I can think of as where a guy was great, changed total philosophies and swing, and still was great. 
I mean, there aren't yeah, well, any of those success stories. And he started this whole this whole trend yeah. of everyone, even kids, thinking, oh, Tiger's so good, and he's still trying to get better by making all these changes, so I can do that too. Can't you try to get better, but, I mean, and your goal be to, to get better, but not that not be changing what you do. I mean, there's ways to improve and get better without changing who you are. That's right. That's, that was the distinction, I think. Yeah, you're right. He made changes, so it looked like the changes allowed him to get better. Right. Well, Ty, Ty, I dare say, and I, again, there's always that. I, I've said it over and over again. I've never noticed anyone to change instructors after they got to a certain level to where they got better. They might have stayed good, right? But they didn't get better. And I, and if I go through the guys that have changed teachers four or five times in the search or something, and knowing what instructors tell me, sometimes when this, you know, so and so goes to the instructor, and I go, how is it? And he goes, well, I can't do anything for him. This guy's just not a great ball striker, but he's an incredible chipper and putter. I, he just has to keep in front of him. But right. what's he come to him for? I want to get longer. I, I want to – I mean, it drives more people. I mean, I'm not saying it drives them out of the game because these guys are already good at golf. But, you know, the Tiger situation, and, again, this is a long time ago, but it seemed like he, he didn't like the fact that people started getting close to his driving distance. He wanted to hit it longer. I think that he got longer. But he got more crooked. I mean, if he would have kept the swing he had in 2000, I don't care if he only hit it 275, no one beats him. No right. one beats him. Best uh, iron player, yeah, by far. Well, distance control, I mean, all along. But anyway, so I just go back to always saying to guys, like, I don't even, you know, I don't even like guys changing equipment within their own brand when they're playing well. But they yeah. go, oh, this new driver, it's longer. But you're not playing bad. Like, Let's wait till you're playing bad, then you can throw everything in there. And they go, well, yeah, but I can hit it longer. I know, but you're not playing bad. Yeah, but I'm only 60th on the FedEx. 60th on the FedEx is really incredible, right? Right. A guy that's 130th in the world, people go, God, he's 130th in the world. I go, do you know how good that is? Yeah, I mean, and the difference between the guy that's 60th on the FedEx and the guy that's 10th, I mean, is a week or two <laughs> weeks. I mean, it's and it's a couple of shots. I mean, I don't you know, cycle. Right. It's a cycle. Like, it doesn't take long. I mean, you just, it doesn't, I, from our view, guys, we watch from, we, we're, we're the air traffic controllers. We see it all. Like, we see all the planes, what altitude they are. We see all this stuff. It's so much easier for us because we've seen it so long. I can just tell you, here are the problems, and they never change. Yep. They never change. And you see people change equipment for money. I don't think Major League Baseball allows Baseball players receive money to play a certain bat. That may not be true, but I hear that's true. But you see guys chasing the latest bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see it with teachers. I see a teacher all of a sudden has got a student playing really well, and this guy's book fills up, and tour players are just rushing over there to see, what have you got? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Right? <laughs> like going, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, that that happens a lot, though. And there's the placebo effect sometimes. A guy go get somebody else, and the guy goes, instead of doing this, do this. They go out, they have one of their best putting weeks, and they finish fifth, and they go, see, this guy's the guy. And then the teacher certainly has it on Instagram, I'm the guy. And now another player <laughs> says, I'm going over there. Yeah. And and I'm not being mean. Look, I mean, you guys, everybody's got to kind of promote. My favorite is the guys that put up on the Instagram, like, every time their guy plays good. And it's like, minus seven, way to go, blah, blah, blah. Like, but, like, when the guy misses three cuts, you're not putting up there, hey, I sucked this week. I couldn't get the guy to make a cut. You know? Well, I mean, look, I mean, it, look, 
that was, you know, that was the Butch effect when Butch was teaching Tiger, you know, and people would go, you know, Butch never said anything about himself. And I'm like, he didn't have to. Tiger would right. say, yeah, this week Butchie and I really worked on this and Butchie and I did that. And man, you know, it makes you money. I mean, it, right. it's a, it's a financial gain. And, and so if the player's not saying that, then the, the instructor, I mean, this is all business. We know it, right? But I always go back to this and, and look, all you, you know, you, Tony, and there's great guys out there, and I trust them all. And none of this is like a negative. As long as you're being honest to the guy that comes to see you, as long as you tell him, look, because I've had guys in my business be with other managers and come to me going, you know, I'm not, I don't like my guy, and he's not doing this for me, and he's not doing that. And I've had to say, man, look, I think your guy's a great guy. I think he's doing it as much as he can for you. I mean, yeah. When a player comes to a new teacher, it's not because they're playing great. It's because they're playing bad. But if the teacher says, man, I think you're playing bad because you're not putting well, instead of coming here and taking my golf swing apart and let me figure it out, just being honest with them and saying, is this really what's happening with you? Yeah. And that, to me, is where the instructor has to, you know, just not take everybody. Like, man, I don't think I can, I don't think I can do anything you're not already doing. Yeah. I told the guy, I told the tour player, a week ago, like I think the plan you have, the guy you're working with, what's best for you. I don't think that what I do is the best fit. Like I, you know, I think you're better to stay with who you have your whole life. I mean, it, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to be any better of a. T- I mean, I'm not going to be able to help the guy if it's not a good fit. You know, and they got to fit into the whole way that I act and the program and the things I like to do, or I, I don't think it works. Well, I mean, that takes a lot. I mean, we've all had to turn down financial opportunities because in the long run it wasn't going to work right yeah but again i think until the dialogue changes with and again and this is going to sound like i'm just beating everybody up I, me too i mean it's all it's on all of us but until the dialogue changes that you see club companies come out with a new club and they immediately start putting it in players hands yep i mean there, and there's a and there's an incentive let's get this new club in the players hands we've got to sell clubs it's all a business we understand that and then when an instructor is having a hard time with the player and letting him go down the rabbit hole, changing shafts or finding more ball speed, you know, I still believe the game should be be taught from two foot from the hole and backwards. I've never seen anybody test the ball for chipping prowess. Man, what's the ball around the greens that chips the best? And then it's always how long the ball will go and how little it spins. And then these track mans that go on the golf course and show you your launch and they show you your spin, but that's not the same person that's going to be standing on the fourth hole at Players Championship on Sunday. What was the spin on DeChambeau's ball in the water? And what was the spin on Lee Westwood's ball in the water? <laughs> I mean, you, that's golf. That's pressure. I mean, that all that other stuff, but – I mean, you think DeChambeau or Lee Westwood is going to change their golf swing because one of them kind of hit a shank top and one of them hit a big block right, right? Because they're playing good. But if you'd have taken the same guy that had been missing the cut that hit those shots, he's got to find a teacher like to fix that. Yeah. And that's just dialogue, man. It's just somebody's got to be in the camp saying, look, we don't need to do anything different. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> Greg, to kind of wrap this up, you mentioned early in the pod, you mentioned – you know, you've got to be able to access or 
tap into you're good more often, right? I mean, that's really what you're trying to do instead of changing who you are. I mean, you've had success, obviously, getting a lot of guys to do this. What are some of the keys or, like, I mean, is that something somebody can learn or do they just have to figure it no, out? No, I don't think there's necessarily a technique or a trick or anything to sort of get you in that mindset. It's more these conversations like this, and here's the data and what happened. And, yeah, that might feel like the right thing to do, but over time, your best bet is going to be the being the best you versus trying to be somebody else. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and it's just a constant message you got to get them. Yeah. And that's, it's just a shift in understanding more than anything. And you don't will your way to do that. It's just these explanation conversations like this that help that can go a long way. And I also think that's where the team approach does help is if the player hears that message from the mental coach, from the fitness coach, from the manager and from the teacher, Instead of where it doesn't work, my point is if, you know, the teacher's telling you, hey, I mean, you're doing the right things and you, you're doing what you need to do, but then, you know, they go to somebody else, part of the team, right? guys like, well, I mean, I think you ought to be doing a little more of this or a little more of that. Then, sure. you know, you got to have everybody singing from the same songbook. That's right. I like that. Yeah, I have a good one every now and then, Greg. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> All right, Matt, Greg, this was awesome. Uh, I thought it was real timely with both the comments from Rory last week, and then, you know, I read that article, uh, you know, with Pete Cowan and talking about Stinson. And, like, I mean, those are two guys that have won majors and are such great players, and they're really smart and good dudes. Like, yeah. you know, if it can happen to you at that level, I mean, it, it happens at every level. And and I see it more and more. I guess I'm lucky now. More and more young folks will want to come and they want to work. But you see it more and more, and nobody seems to be immune from it. Yeah, hey, I agree. You know what? It, the, the old rule never ends. Chicks dig the long ball, and and people <laughs> want to hit it far. Nobody ever goes and says, "Man, have you seen how good this guy chips and putts?" No, yeah. how far he can hit it, and it's manlyhood sometimes involved in this. And you know, it's you see it. I mean, you see it with everybody. Yep. But I I think as the dialogue changes, as you like you said, Tony, we see the long term effects of these things. Mm-hmm. What what breaks down first? What but usually what breaks down has got nothing to do with anything physical. That's why Greg's on here, right? Yep. I'm biased, but I agree. Well, and I think that's my job as a coach is to help players change and to help us change the dialogue so that when we have somebody we've worked with that we care about, let's face it, and you guys know me, the guys that I work with, I mean, they're like my kids or my uncles or my brothers or whatever, and you care about them and you love them, and I think that's why it works at times. But, like, part of our job is to change the dialogues so that they can have more long-term success because they understand, they have a better understanding of who they are as a person and as a player, and they don't overreact every time they, they play bad for a month. Agreed. No, a month. I mean, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. You you can go for, you know, I don't know that you're never going to find people. These guys got to where they are by trying to get better, right? Right. This is what they tried to do their whole lives is get better. And so the natural progression in their minds is, is to get, continue to get better. And I think they have to understand that they're now in a position that they don't have to really get better in the sense of, like, mechanicals and stuff, they have to get better at playing professional golf. And yep. that's, a different, that's, right. that's a difference than, that you see is professional golf is not amateur golf. It's not, it's not how pretty it looks. It's, it's what you shoot. And, and that's going to vary from day to day. They, you know, you see guys that are really not great putters, and they all of a sudden hit it bad, and they will all of a sudden have a great putting day. 
because <laughs> they're not going to fail, right? Yeah, and then yeah, this year right. got hit 18 greens, and then he complains of how bad he putted. Right. Well, <laughs> if you hit that many greens, you're going to three putt more because I mean you're not chipping it up to four feet. You don't three putt. You know, so it's just having people understand a macro view of your career instead of one week, two week, three weeks. And yep, sometimes you can picture. play pretty well and miss a cut. That's right. So, oh, golf's hard. Yep, and that's a good way. The only regret about this podcast is I couldn't figure a way to do it late enough we could have a drink while doing it. Well, speak for yourself, man. <laughs> <laughs> why we like Dr. Greg. Guys, Absolutely. I appreciate it as always. You guys sitting and also be, being part of the team and, and being such a big influence and help for me. And uh, I'll look forward. We'll, we'll do this again soon. For sure. Thanks, guys. I'm Love it. So right. Thanks, Dr. Greg. See you guys. See you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. We go into year two of the tour coach, it wouldn't be possible without the support of all our sponsors. And I've had some great ones. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career and in my business is the fact that all of my relationships here and all these sponsorships have been long time, long withstanding relationships, haven't jumped from sponsor to sponsor and manufacturer to manufacturer. And I've always prided ourselves in special relationships and when people work together, support each other, and we've all put out great products for the benefits of everybody else. So I want to give a special thanks to these folks that have been with me for such a long time. And that would be the folks at Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio. Couldn't ask for a better manufacturer to be aligned with. And not only do they put out great product and great support, but they're first-class people, and they believe in what we're doing here on the Tour Coach and with the Dew Sweepers and also Vineyard Vines. Ian, Shep, TJ, and all the folks at Vineyard Vines – Hard to keep me looking good, but they do a fantastic job. And they're like family. They support everything on the Dew Sweepers. And we're so proud to be affiliated with and support the folks at Vineyard Vines. So if you're out there, you're listening to the Tour Coach, please support our sponsors, Strixon Cleveland Golf Zexio, as well as Vineyard Vines. And keep listening and keep enjoying hanging out with us here on the Tour Coach.